Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes, presented by Kroll and Morin. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Nicole Auburn-Beast, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. So we're going to be spending most of our time today on updated guidance about 3610. But before we get there and turn our attention to that important topic, we want to give you three quick updates on the regulatory front. Number one, on August 12th, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence granted DOD's request for a temporary waiver from the prohibitions of Section 889A1B. The ODNI determined that the product services identified in the waiver request are in the national security interests of the United States. Specifically, the waiver allows DOD to continue to execute procurement actions providing supplies, equipment, services, food, clothing, transportation, care, and support necessary to execute the DOD mission. The waiver extends until the end of September of 2020 and allows DOD to continue contracting activities that would otherwise be prohibited. And in the meantime, ODNI is going to conduct a more thorough review of the waiver request to see if parts of it should extend beyond the end of September. That's item one. Item two, on August 13th, Office of Management and Budget issued a series of changes to the grant guidance. There are a wide series of changes about all facets of grant guidance, but importantly, there's also a change that's intended to implement the prohibition that's in 889A1B in the grant world as well. So not just FAR covered, but also grant world. Then third, on August 19th, GSA issued an advance notice of proposed rulemaking to seek public comment for the implementation of Section 876 of fiscal year 2019 NDAA to the Federal Supply Schedule Program. Basically, Section 876 added an exception to the requirement to consider price as an evaluation factor in the award of certain IDIQ and FSS contracts. So currently, offerers responding to solicitations for the award of FSS contracts have to submit commercial sales practices data or other cost or pricing information. Once this section is implemented, GSA will have discretion to exclude price as an evaluation factor as long as certain conditions are met. So those are three things we're watching. Now we're going to turn to CARES Act and Section 3610. Nicole, why don't we start with an overview question, which is this guidance came out on August 18th. Was it worth the wait? What are some of the headlines here? (laughs) Thanks, Peter. Was it worth the wait? I will tell you my initial reaction was, I guess, better late than never. It does a number of important things, and I think it establishes a better framework than what it attempted to do, what DPC attempted to do in the early days back in April 8th, I believe, was the date of the first class deviation in response to 3610, which was issued, if folks recall, on March 27th. So DPC came out pretty quickly after CARES Act 3610, along with other agencies, to provide guidance, instructions, start thinking through and helping identify process and a framework for both contracting officers and contractors in making requests for reimbursement under 3610. 
And reasonably, there was a lot of confusion, a lot of questions, a lot of things still hadn't been thought through. Folks were building the airplane as they were flying it, so to speak. And so since April 8th, and then there were subsequent FAQs that were issued that attempted to answer questions that folks were having on both the government side and industry. And then there were draft guidance. And I believe, Peter, that was towards the end of March. Now we have, after a lot of industry comment, we have this pretty close to the expiration period of, at least for the paid leave coverage period, which ends September 30th, we have a more robust process and set of instructions, if you will. So I guess the long answer to that question is, yes, better late than ever. And it does a number of good things. And we can talk about those next. That's a great overview. Let's pivot to that, Nicole. Like, what are, from contractor standpoint, what are the headlines? What are the most notable, important aspects that contractors should be really focusing on? Yeah, so there are, to be clear, the guidance that just came out on August 18 includes four documents two class deviations, a contracting officer memo for record template, and an OTA guidance memorandum. There's also updates to their running FAQ document. The two class deviations are pretty key. The first supersedes the DFARS cost principle that was issued on April 8th, which was really, in addition to being a cost principle, really self-described as a framework. That doesn't have many significant changes except for the new guidance and therefore the new superseding class deviation on the cost principle shortens the period of eligible recovery from January 31st to March 27th. And the reason for that is that March 27th was the date that the CARES Act was enacted. When DOD first came out with its guidance, it said that leave could be reimbursed for the period of January 31st through September 30th because January 31st, I guess, was the date that the pandemic was officially announced or recognized, they have shortened that period and said, no, not January 31, March 27. So eligible leave is between March 27 and September 30th. That said, contracting officers still have discretion to reimburse contractors for the period January 31 through March 27. It just has to be under other contract authorities, not 3610, although they should still track it that way. So that's one significant change. The second is really in the second class deviation, which establishes a process for different scenarios, including for subcontractor requests, lots of checklists, detailed checklists, and then related to that is the third document, the contracting memo for record. The processes that have been established recognize different scenarios. So there are three now sets of processes with different checklists that sort of overlap and relate to one another, but it takes it from sort of simple requests, under 2 million, a more streamlined process, if you will, all the way to a second process and checklists for requests related to multiple contracts. So this is one thing that contractors and government folks were struggling with is, well, you know, we might have a lot of contracts all under one program or with one agency. Do we have to do this reimbursement request for each and every contract individually? The new process establishes a procedure and a mechanism for making a request that addresses multiple contracts that are really related, right? They have to be homogeneous groups of contracts. 
all the way to a third process, which is more detailed and expanded for an entire business unit or a segment. And that request would go to your cognizant federal agency official. So it sets up those three processes. The other thing, Peter, that stands out to me is that it amplifies, right, the eligibility or emphasizes the eligibility criteria. Most notably, folks will recall that CARES Act 3610 reimbursement is for, quote unquote, affected contractors. And those are contractors who basically they can't perform the work because of the pandemic and folks need to be on ready state. So we need to keep them around, pay them this leave, not let them go, not terminate them. And so you have to be an affected contractor. There's much more emphasis than I would say amplification in the guidelines about that status, which is only determined, by the way, by the contracting officer after you've gone through the process, you've made the request, you've assembled all of the detailed cost information and supporting documentation and explanations, which are described in each one of the checklists as well as the memo for record that the contracting officer is going to complete in making the determination. Only after all of that, you get sort of the determination about affected contractor status, available funding, including, again, amplified in the guidance. Not only must it be appropriated available funding, but the right color of money and consistent with a bona fide need. So those are some takeaways, I think, to be looking for in the documents. Nicole, that's a really great overview. I guess from your perspective, working on these questions and matters with lots of different contractors, what are some tips, best practices, pitfalls, and what's the timing? Does end of government fiscal year factor into any of this? What are you seeing in terms of the when question, in terms of how companies are moving forward and when they're moving forward with this? Yeah, great question. So on the timing piece, there isn't an expiration of the funding unless the funding is expired on its own, right? So the eligible period, if you will, is again, leave that's taken between March 27 or or provided, I guess, by the contractor between March 27 and September 30th. That said, you can still make requests after that point in time. Of course, the longer folks wait, that can affect available funding. So in terms of best practices, what I would say about these documents, whether we agree with some of the positions taken or whether all of the types of information that are being requested or will be requested to make the request are necessary, it's a roadmap. So from a best practice and tip perspective, I would say if you haven't made the request yet, you're considering making the request. And by the way, part of that consideration should also factor in whether you have received or you anticipate receiving other funding to cover the leave. So for example, PPP loans, if the PPP loans are forgiven, DOD has been consistent and sort of, again, emphasizes that in this final set of documents that those kinds of credits will reduce the reimbursement amount. And that certification is a certification that's made with the request. There's a new contract clause that will be implemented in the modification that implements the reimbursement. You have to agree to pay back any money that you get that is sort of considered double recovery. So consider whether you're in that bucket, if this is really worth it. Early engagement, folks who know me and have worked with me know that I'm a big fan of communication. (laughs) 
I think it's really important when we have questions or we're thinking about things, just open a dialogue or at least try to open a dialogue. And the good thing here is that the documents also emphasize and recommend early engagement between the contracting officer and the contractor about the process and the information and the eligibility before embarking on what's really a substantial process. But the roadmap is there. So again, the checklists are there and the memo for record that the contracting officer will have to put in the file. All of those are really good tips and will give contractors insight into what the contracting officers are going to be looking for and expecting to see in a reimbursement request and making that decision. That is great. And obviously a lot more to be said about that topic. For those of you who want to dive deeper here, Nicole is a great resource and we will be offering a webinar in the coming weeks to do a deeper dive on this guidance and some of the other issues that flow from the guidance. But in the meantime, obviously, feel free to reach out to Nicole or others on the Kroll team. And with that, I will thank Nicole for joining us and providing her insight, and we'll close this out for today. This has been The Fastest Five Minutes, brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions about these items, I can be reached at 202-624-2807, and Nicole can be reached at 202-624-2863. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Thank you. The Fastest 5 Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast. Podcast.